0: There are many issues that plague youth. The church acts as a safe haven. It provides a place where youth can come together to hear the word of God. Upper Room Media presents to you this youth talk delivered from Sydney, Australia. I'm not sure if it's a question that you've reflected on um, or asked yourself before confession, have I spent enough time in God's presence um, over the last few weeks. Um, and as Sandra mentioned, um, this is inspired by a really beautiful book called The Practice of the Presence of God um, by a Carmelite like brother whose name was Brother Lawrence who lived he was from France and he lived and died in the 1600s. Um, and so this, uh, this book is really easy to read. It's his reflections um, one of his friends writing about his life, a collection of his letters and sayings. Um, You could sit and read it in maybe a couple of hours. If you've never read a spiritual book, or if you're going through a bit of a dry patch in your reading, this is a really, really easy book just to pick up um, and read. It's full of um, really beautiful gems. So what exactly did this brother do? Um, And this was written by his close friend. Um, He believed it was a serious mistake to think of our prayer time as being different from any other Let that sink in for a moment. He believed it was a serious mistake to think that the prayer time has been different from any other. And that's not to downplay the importance and the significance of prayer and feeling and experiencing God's presence in prayer, but rather to elevate the rest of our day, the rest of our time. Being in God's presence is not just something that we should experience for a few minutes in the morning and in the evening. So that's essentially how he lived his life. Always in God's presence. Um, and the next question we should ask is why? Why did he aspire to do that? Um, and again, written by his friend, it says that for more than 40 years, this brother's principal endeavor has been to stay as close as possible to God. Doing, saying, and thinking nothing, and might displease. He has no reason for doing this except to show his gratitude for God's pure love and because God deserves information more than that, So why did he dedicate 40 years of his life to using every fibre of his being to try to remain in the presence of God? Out of gratitude? And because God deserves no less. If you think about those friends of yours, you know, who's done something for you, and then there's a time when they Request something of you. You will shake heaven and earth to help them. There's no um, extent to how much you're willing to do for that friend of yours because of what they've done for you in the past. And so, can we have that same um, feeling towards what God has done for us? Thank you. Can we have that same, like, you know, clarity? that God deserves infinitely more than what I'm able to offer, and I must show Him gratitude. And the next question to ask, before we kind of just talk about, so how did he actually do it? And that would be the bulk of the discussion tonight. Practical steps to try to experience the presence of God a little bit more. So why is it important to do this? Because there's so many things in our spiritual lives that we have to try to do. I have to try to be holy, and I have to try to be humble. And I have to try to serve. And I have to try to, you know, do so, so, so many things. So, why is it important that I aspire to try to experience the presence of God? I was going to be very friendly, Sandra, if you got to do that for me. <laughs> 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 Although, now I need your help the other Okay. and to be in the presence of God. Because God alone is capable of making Himself known to us as He really is. We search in reasoning, in the sciences, as in a poor copy, for what we neglect to see in an excellent original, God Himself takes Himself in the depths of our soul. So, the reason I have that beautiful picture there is because, let's say you experience nature, and you look at a magnificent landscape like this, or if you ever look at the ocean, or you look up into space, and God's creation you know, reveals to us something about Him. We see you know, God in His creation. And according to Brother Lawrence, so that, that's good, it's good to reflect on the beauty of the created world and try to find God in that, because He certainly is. But why would we look in reason and in sciences? Because that's a poor copy then we'd like to see an excellent, original God Himself. So why is it important to practice the presence of God? Because this is the best way to know God. In creation, you'll get a clue. In the sciences, in the logical flow of the world, you'll get a clue. But these are copies and not the original, so let's try to experience mm mm-hmm. Okay. And so we'll just spend most of the discussion, as I mentioned, about practical points to try to experience the presence of God. And you may not necessarily go home and try to do every single one of these, but if you can just take away one and even just try to implement it over this weekend, that will be you know, a really good start. So how did you do it? How was it? Yeah, brother it. Experience the presence of God at all times and all places. First, start with the good and the bad, and therefore everything in between. So, a few quotes. He says, Whenever he considered doing some good deed, he would pray, Lord, I will never be able to do that if you don't help me. Any kind of church service, any kind of kind action, any interaction with your family or with your friends, dedicate that to the Lord. Help me to show love. Help me to have energy. Help me to have wisdom. Help me. I can't do anything without you. So he would find God in the wood. He would find God in the bad. When he sinned, he confessed it to God with these words. I can do nothing better without you. Please keep me from falling incorrect mistakes I make. Immediately, a constant conversation, a constant turning towards God, a constant awareness of his presence, a constant dialogue thousands of times every day. We may not go to thousands, but if it's currently at zero, hey let's get it to five. So where do I start? Start with the good and the bad and therefore everything in between. The, the second was repentance. So again this is his friend discussing you know how Brother Lawrence was able to experience the support of all the time. And he writes, today, Brother Lawrence spoke to me about his manner of going to God. He said, the most important part resides in renouncing once and for all, whatever does not lead to God. And he goes want to say he wants to possess our hearts completely before any work can be done in our souls. God must totally be in control. And it's good to ask myself, is God totally in control of my heart, of my desires, of my life? Or is there one sin? which I am refusing to let go. Of. If you want to experience, and I want to experience the presence of God throughout the day, then God must supposedly be in control. And of course, there's a beautiful verse from Proverbs 23, 26, who says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my way. So it's us come thick. Let your heart, your eyes observe my way. The Lord, He wants your heart. He wants your home. You know, in the book of Malachi, in the Old Testament, God, through his prophet Malachi, tells expresses to the people how dissatisfied he is with them. And one of the things he's really dissatisfied with is the offerings that they are bringing towards him. They're supposed to give God the best. And what they were giving him in terms of offerings to be slaughtered on the altars were livestock, that were blind, that were maimed. that were diseased, that were inferior in some way. And then God says to them, Offer that to your king and see if he will accept it. And you're offering it to me. So we should ask ourselves this question. Am I offering to God something that me mortals would refuse to accept when it comes to our heart? Let's say you're in a relationship. Would, some, would, would, would you accept from your partner that they give you part of their heart? You wouldn't accept it. So we have to be so careful about offering God a part and holding a little bit back. Holding one sin back. Holding one desire back. Say, God, you know, I love you and, and, and you're in control, but just not you. Don't touch that place. Dissections out of bounds for you God this sounds comic, but sometimes we do that So if you really want to experience the presence of God Then you must submit and surrender your whole life and your whole heart to God once and for all renouncing sin. And how did he do it? Using his day-to-day tasks, okay? Um, and Brother Lawrence writes, never tired of doing even the smallest things for him, because he isn't impressed so much with the dimensions of our work as with the love in which he is done." That's a really comforting phrase to think about. Because you think, okay, you know, I have to just do something wonderful, something big, something revolutionary, something that will leave a legacy. But God is not interested in any of that. He doesn't mean anything. He is not interested with the dimensions of your work, but he's interested in the love with which it is done. And the reason that there is a picture of an omelette there, in case you are wondering, is this. I turn my little omelette in the pan for the love of God. When it is finished, you have nothing to do. I prostrate myself on the ground and adore my God, who gave me the grace to make it after which I arise more content than It's quite extraordinary. So again, you might think, oh, this concept of constantly being in God's presence, constantly thinking of God, talking to Him. This is something that's not possible for me doing what I have to do in the world. Can we shift our mindset so that we use our day-to-day tasks to experience the presence of God, to ask for His help when we're doing something, to ask for His forgiveness if we lack, to always do everything that we do with great love? He's not interested in the dimensions of your work, but He's interested in the love with which it is done. I might have shared with you before this this really interesting concept that I read about how parents should love their children. So forgive me if you've heard been talk about this before, I think it's really useful. So parents love their children, okay, and it's, most of the time, and it's um, easy for a parent to make their interaction, especially with a young child, that, can, that interaction could descend into a long series of tasks dressing them, bathing and brushing their teeth, getting yeah. them in the car, getting them out of a car the list is absolutely beyond endless. I spent the whole day with my kids, so this is very raw for me today. Okay? Now, there's two ways of looking at this endless list of tasks. One of them is that this is an obstacle, this is a hindrance, this is just something to tolerate. And once I've completed this list of tasks then I will communicate my love to my children and the other way of looking at it is that through these tasks I can communicate love to my children I can make them breakfast lovingly, I can change their clothes lovingly I can drive them around lovingly it's exactly the same in a marriage Again, it could easily just be a very long list of tasks, you do this and I do that and when we get home, you know, you cook, I'll clean. You do this, you do that. And it's just a long list of tasks again. Or I could look at it so that when I'm cooking, it's a chance to show love to my wife. When I'm cleaning, it's a chance to show love to my life. When I'm working, it's a chance to show love to my and, and again, the list is endless. And so it's exactly the same with our relationship with God. You could look at everything that you have to do day in, day out. In terms of your study or your work or sometimes even your service as something that has to be tolerated, you just kind of grit your teeth and just get through it. And then you can love God, you know, in your prayer and in your Bible reading and in your midnight praises and whatever. Or you could look at those series of tasks that you have to do throughout the day, you know, as trivial as making breakfast and use that as a way to show your love to God doing everything, St. Paul writes, all that you do, do as to the Lord, to the best of my ability, doing it prayerfully, doing it with great love. And I really challenge you, next time you have a task that you really dislike, to try to think about doing this for the sake of the Lord, for the sake of loving Him and loving your neighbor. The task will take a completely new phase. completely new flavour. Do it for his sake, do it talking to him. Do it with him. Do it for him. You know? So your day-to-day tasks are not an obstacle to practicing the presence of God, but are a really important tool. The other important step is to use our problems. And again, sometimes we think that our problems hinder us from being in God's presence and there are source of stress and distraction and so on, but they are a tool as well. Take courage. God often allows us to go through difficulty, to purify our souls and to teach us to run and do more. And then he quotes 1 Peter one sixty-seven. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, May be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, So offer him your problems unceasingly. Ask him for the strength to overcome them. Talk to him often, forget him as seldom as possible. Praise him. When the difficulties are at their worst, go to him humbly and lovingly, as a child goes to the loving Father, and ask for the help that you need from his grace. So are the difficulties, the disappointments, the setbacks, are they a hindrance to us experiencing the presence of God on that day? On the contrary, imagine we all did this. When the next time we had a problem, that we asked the Lord for strength, we talked to Him often, we didn't forget Him, we praised Him, and when the thing when things got really, really difficult, we just went to Him as a loving Father and said, "Here, Your helpless children, save us." And of course, Aaron prays, uh, and he gives some suggestions. Such as, Lord, I am all yours. God of love, I love you with all my heart. Lord, use me according to your will. And of course, the well-known Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, I sin. It's a very useful tool um, that has been used for centuries in the Orthodox Church to experience the presence of God. If it's something that you've never done, just do it for five or ten minutes. Go for a walk and just repeat this prayer. Even in your own spiritual time at home, if you're feeling a bit tired and you can't concentrate on thing B one evening, then just say that prayer repeatedly for five minutes, even one minute. Okay? If you're at the gym and it's getting heavy, you can't do it, the Jesus prayer is a sensation. Okay? So all right. now there's lots of blessings um, that will come to us if we are able to experience the presence of God throughout the day. Heaps. We will always have hope, we will always be faithful, our thoughts will be refined. But one of the blessings that I just wanted to focus on today is being entirely unaffected by circumstance. If we always practice the presence of God, we will be bulletproof unaffected by circumstances, A few quotes. Brother Lawrence's only means of going to God was to do everything for the love of Him. It was just indifferent about what he did. All that mattered was that he did it for God. It was He and not the activity that he considered. In other words, he didn't care what he was doing. Didn't care what he was doing. Because whatever he was doing, he was doing it for God. He knew that the more the thing he did was opposed to his natural inclination, the greater was the merit of his loving offering to God. He knew that the pettiness of the deed would not diminish the worth of his offering, because God needed nothing, considering our works and the love that accompanies them. Again, he remembered, God doesn't need anything from me. I don't have to leave a legacy. I don't have to do something dramatic. I don't have to do something that everybody's talking about, everybody notices. It's great if you do. It's okay if you don't. God doesn't need anything. So he measures by Allah. Everything was the same to him. Every place, every job. The good brother found God everywhere. As much while he was repairing shoes as while he was praying with the community. He was in no hurry to go on retreats because he found the same God to love and adore his ordinary work as in the depth of the desert. Let that sink in for a minute. Whether he was making shoes or praying with a community of monks, it made a little difference. Whether he was on a spiritual retreat or just going about his day-to-day, it made a little difference. And again, that is not to diminish the importance of formal prayer. That is not to diminish the importance of liturgy. But this is to elevate the remaining hours of our day. So it didn't matter what he was doing. It didn't matter where he was. Because I am at rest, the trials of life bring me no suffering. I don't know what God has in store for me, but I feel so serene that it doesn't matter. Let that sink in, especially in the stage of life that most of you are in now, a bit of uncertainty maybe about the future, what course, or what job, or what state, or you know, which part, There's a lot of uncertainty. And we hate not knowing. We hate not knowing. But he says, I don't know what God has in store for me. But I feel so serene that it doesn't matter. Or in other words, I don't know. And I don't care as long as I'm with God. It's quite extraordinary. He goes on to say, what do I have to be afraid of when I'm with him? I stay with him as much as I can, may He blessed for everything. So he didn't care where he was he didn't care what he was doing he didn't care about uncertainty he didn't care about difficulty as because he had God and what more did he need and i'll just conclude with a final word so his friends on his deathbed asked him tell us about your life and your thoughts during his final hours, and this is what he said. He was given some final time alone to reflect on the great grace that God had given during his life. When asked how he spent that time, he replied that he had been doing what he would be doing for all eternity blessing God, praising God, adoring Him, and loving Him with my whole heart. That is our whole purpose, brothers, to adore God and to love Him without worrying about grace. He died the next day, February 12, 1691. So, when they asked him, What are your feelings and your thoughts reflecting on your life and thinking about your soon to come death? His answer was really simple that I will be doing, I have already been doing what I will be doing for eternity. And it's very similar to something that C.S. Lewis says that those who go to heaven, for them, after they die, they'll find those from any place. And the same is true for those who go to heaven. And we see that. There are many people in the church now who are living in heaven, living in love and in harmony and in peace and in safety and security with God, protecting them, not holding grudges, enjoying the services of the church, living this life, knowing that their citizenship is in heaven. They're living in heaven now. So it will only be natural. And then we also see the reverse unfortunate people living in hell. Living in hell. And sometimes people use those exact words. And they say, I'm in hell. I'm a slave to my passions. I'm, you know, looking over my shoulder all the time. I'm chasing the next desire and the next, you know, satisfaction and getting nowhere. I'm chained. I'm in hell by God's grace, many people come to that realisation before it's too late, and they enjoy the sweetness of heaven, now and before, between I'll stop with that, unless you've got any questions, comments, anything you'd like to. I'm going to um, leave things that, like, you're going in, <coughs> going about your day, um, you know, those, those, some people say like when you wash your hands, you say, "Oh Lord, purify me." Or, Lord, like this is purify me. Stuff like that. If you're not genuinely convinced with the words that you're saying, is there any need to actually say that? Is it because I feel like yes, you can say, it, "Yeah, like Lord, well, purify me," but it can also seem a bit like you're just saying it because uh, but you don't actually, you don't believe the words that you're saying. You're just saying anything because it just. It sounds cool, and you're doing something that's related to that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question. If, uh, I don't feel like it's genuine. You know, this is like some same student. You know, let pretending. pretend. Let's open up all your Thank you. So, yes, has a whole chapter in the book called Let's Pretend. Yeah? which is like the whole idea that like, take it till you make it. If you want a virtue or you want to do something, if you act like you have a virtue and eventually you have it. So if you want to be in the presence of God, well, he is there, but you need to pretend like, well, you just need to keep doing it. And then God's grace will, you know, and you can talk to people's people's people. yeah. I think that's very true, because if, if I sort of wait until I reach perfection, in order to start, and then that will never come. So we learn by doing, um, and, and not to kid ourselves, like, I'm not a saint, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying, I'm just trying this thing out, and I'm taking a step towards God, there's very His promise So if I draw near into him, then he will draw me into me. So there's any pretense, because we can't pretend in front of God. You know, it's not something that you're gonna say out loud, you know, like it. when you're with your friends, like it's is something that's internal. So even if I am pretending, who am I pretending in front of? It's in front of God, for who knows the deep desires of my heart. So you know, I think it's okay to start, um, and then by doing and by God's grace, we will achieve perfection. If you wait for perfection before you start, but they will never come—not just in spiritual matters, but in anything. We learn by doing, and by God's grace. Any other comments or questions or anything you'd like to add? This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.